Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. We've been in a series talking about the Holy Spirit. We're just going to continue with this for as long as the Lord says to stop. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. The name of this series of messages has been called, There's More. So why don't we just uh, open our Bibles. Let's all stand. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And uh, we all always stand for the reading of God's word, just to honor his word. And so there's more. There's many things we can talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I just want to focus on these, this series of messages about how there's more when the Holy Spirit comes, and everything the Holy Spirit uh, is involved with or touches, he adds to it. He brings life. There's more. Uh, so this is week five that we've been talking about it. Jesus said, it is good for me to go to heaven. Don't be sad, but it is to your advantage that I go to heaven, because if I go to heaven, I'm going to send back more of me in the form of the Holy Spirit. So it's good that I'm going to heaven because I'm sending back the comforter, the healer, the, the, the Holy Spirit. He has been with you. He will be in you. And then he said, greater works you will do than what I have done because I'm going to my Father. There's more, again, because when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we experience more power, more love, more victory. Amen? As we surrender our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives. And so today I want to talk about more power for your prayers. How many could use more power in your prayer life? Amen. There's a way to do it. Jesus talked a lot about prayer. And so we're going to look at it here in chapter 11 of Luke. And this is where it begins with the Lord's Prayer, as we call it the Lord's Prayer, where they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And he, te he teaches them on the Lord's Prayer. But I want to go to verse 5, and let's see what it says. And, and Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for another friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in the bed. I cannot rise and give to you. In those days, they had basically one big giant room where the parents and the children were. And just like today, how many know when you put your kids to sleep, you better not wake them up? And so they're like, hey, don't wake my kids up. I done got them to bed, so go away. I can't have nothing to do with you. But look at verse 8. Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, everybody say persistence. Because of his persistence, he will rise and will give him uh, as many as he needs. And then here's the application, verse 9. So as I say to you, everything I said up to this point, I want you to pay attention to this. I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then he says, if a son asks for bread from any of you fathers among you, will, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course, these are rhetorical questions, and the answer is no. Verse 13, and he points and he closes this whole teaching on prayer with verse 13. Please pay attention. Listen to this. He says, for if you then, being evil, compared to the goodness of God, I mean, we are evil, even on our best day. Okay, amen. He says, you being evil... If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the what? Give the what? Holy Spirit. He will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who has been with us, but you said can be in us. And Father, thank you for last Sunday for pouring out your spirit. In fact, every week pouring out your spirit on so many of us to experience your goodness and the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, Lord, I pray today that we would have ears to hear that, God, we can find out how to get more power in our prayers because it is your desire to answer those prayers that are according to your will. I thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I was thinking about this, thinking, got my mind on my grandson coming, so I think of things and differently and gifts. I was thinking about this the other day when you ever give a gift to a kid and your kid plays with the box more than the gift? Like they, they are more happy with the, with the box. I mean, they'll walk away and, and you're looking and you say, I've done spent all this money on that gift but yet they're, they're happy with playing with the box and the wrapper, and they're like you're hitting their brother with it, and they, they play all day outside with it. They take that box everywhere they go. Well, in, in a way, if, that's a lot like the church and the Holy Spirit. The church is like the box, but the Holy Spirit is the gift inside the box. And many churches and Christians, unfortunately, have taken the gift and put it to the side because it's noisy or because they don't understand it or they're not mature enough to handle it. They are just happy with just the box, the church. And many churches are just happy about having church and just come see the box. And, and you have a box and we have a box and it's all about the box. But God is saying, no, 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 the gift is what I have given you. In fact, you're supposed to find the gift inside the box. They go together. Tell somebody they go together. The Holy Spirit, we are river of life, and the church of Jesus Christ says, I have given you the gift. Don't be just happy with the box. There is more to your life than just the box. There is a toy. There is a gift that I have given you, and he is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? I think my grandson will, con will understand that concept. It's the Holy Spirit. Now we're talking about prayer and prayer is one of those things that is not very glamorous, it's not very exciting, it's not very shiny, you know, it doesn't get a lot of um, likes and, and things when you post about prayer on social media, people are not that interested, but let me tell you this, prayer is the single most important part of your Christian walk. Prayer is the most important part of your Christian walk. It's communication. How many know in marriage, mom and dad's been married 54 years, the number one thing they'll tell you that they have going for them that's been a big attribute uh, to them being successful in their marriage is communication. Mom and dad has learned how to communicate. How many know you got to master that as a couple? Communication is everything. Well, prayer is communication to God. And you learn how to pray, you learn how to pray by praying. 
You learn how to pray by listening to others pray. You learn how to pray by being around an atmosphere of prayer. I love last Sunday, man, the Spirit of God just was poured out so strongly at Pentecost Sunday. Amen. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. How many were here and got blessed, got touched, got filled, got something from the Holy Spirit last Sunday or in the previous weeks? Amen. And there has been, I read some testimonies to you of people receiving the things of God and and I love the atmosphere that was up here. Many parents, you went and got your kids and brought them up here. And, and, and I think that is so healthy and so important to get our kids into an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is moving. They'll always, always, always remember. I always will remember those long services. Didn't understand everything that was going on, but I remember the feeling in the, in the, in the atmosphere of, of the service that later in life, when I understood a little bit more, I was thankful for it. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's where people get set free. You, you remember how good that felt and how good it feels when you're in the presence of the Lord like that? That's the Holy Spirit that does that. And at the end of the service, we're going to have more of that prayer time. There's several of you that need prayer, and we want to pray for you today. We want to pray for our sweet little Rebecca, who just turned 12, and uh, she's awaiting to hear from St. Jude whether they're going to do uh, a surgery or go through another round of chemo, but I know the family is watching right now, and, and after the last round, I want to give an update to everyone that they did see the tumor shrink from... Uh, from the treatment so we give god glory for that amen we want it to shrink completely and be gone and and, and the one this is a 12 year old girl that's battling cancer she's a part of our church family her name is rebecca and we've been praying daily for her and so there's another one on her heart valve and and, and it did not light up with the test uh, as they looked at it so they're very hopeful and that that is also uh, good news for the family. So we want to pray for them today. We want to pray for Roger, who goes tomorrow for his test. He's another man battling men in cancer. So there's, there's a lot of needs for prayer. How many have a need right now that is a big need that only God can answer right now in your life? Hold your hand up. Amen. Amen. Today is the day that you're going to get a breakthrough. Today's the day that we're believing God to answer our prayers. Come on. Come on, you got to believe that with me. It takes faith. you got, you got to choose to believe. We walk by faith and not by sight. And it's a choice where you stand in there and you choose to believe what God has for us. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. Prayer is not glamorous, but it is very important, much like a home. Uh, I would say prayer is like the foundation of a home. And most people, when they come and see your new house, they don't walk in and go, hey, man, I, I love the foundation. <laughs> I saw the foundation pulling up. It was a beautiful foundation. Amen. They don't do that. They walk in and they, they look at the paint. The paint gets all the attention, the doors, the curb appeal, the windows. Uh, but how many know it's the foundation that is the single most important part of the house? And prayer is your foundation. Prayer is your foundation. And many times you can't see it but you can tell by how strong the house is that it's got a good foundation. Oh, I feel this today. And many people will not see your prayer life, but you can tell if you've got a strong prayer life because you're withstanding the storms of life. You're withstanding the storms of life because you got a good foundation. Come on, somebody. That's prayer. And no one gets a, you know, gives a big attention to it, but it is something that we need to talk about. It is the foundation. The bigger the foundation, the stronger your foundation, the bigger and the stronger your house will be. Let me put it to you this way. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. 
That's a simple way I can give it to you when it comes to our prayer life. No prayer ain't going to have no power, no foundation. You're built on the sand. It's going to look good, but as soon as the storm comes, it's going to fall. I'm telling you, prayer is that important. That's why the enemy will fight you. Your body, your mind will fight you every time you try to pray. You try to stop and, and pray and get down and turn some worship music on. We've all been there and begin to think about God. Then you look and you say, oh, I've got to vacuum this floor. Dog will start barking. Someone will show up. Your phone will begin to blow up. It always will happen when you begin to pray. But I'm telling you, prayer is the most important part of the Christian life. Well, Jesus begins, they ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he begins in Luke 11 at verse 1. I, I love how they asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. It could have been other things that they would have asked Jesus to teach them. I would have asked them, teach me how to walk on water. That is a cool trip. This summer, I'm going to go for a pool party. I'm going to say, hey, everybody, watch this. And be like, wouldn't you want to know how to do that? I'd want to know how to, how to heal. Seriously. I'd want to know how to, how to lay hands on a blind person and their eyes open. They didn't ask Jesus that. They didn't ask Jesus how to raise someone from the dead. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they knew that he had a strong foundation. They knew that his success in ministry was connected to his prayer life. They knew that. It was an obvious thing. So they said, Jesus, if you could teach us how to pray, if we get our prayer life right, we'll get our regular life right. We'll get our spiritual life right. So teach us how to pray. And so he starts off in Luke 11 with what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer, but we call it that. If you really want to see what the Lord prayed, go over to John chapter 17. That's Jesus praying. Luke 11 verse 1, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is just a model. That is just a model or what I want to say, an introduction an introduction to prayer is, is this what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's an introduction, introductory prayer. Nothing's wrong with it. I use it. In fact, it's a good framework. I've taught on the Lord's Prayer and, and, and showed you how you start with giving God praise before you ask him for anything. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus said, worship God before you ask of anything. I mean, then you go, you can break this prayer down and teach it, and it's very, very good. But it's just an introductory type prayer in, in our lives. I'll show you that here in a minute. There's a lot of ideas that, are, that were new ideas that Jesus introduced. The biggest one was this. God is now your Father. No one ever called God Father in the Old Testament. God was always Elohim. He was um, God. He was the creator. He was the, uh, the almighty. He is the I am. He is Jehovah. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rafi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sikhanu, Jehovah, all these different names. Meaning that, and he is all of those. All those names describe a different attribute of who God is. God is the ever-present help in time of trouble. Some of you are going through something right now. You need to know that God is right there with you, walking with you through whatever it is you're going through because he is God. He is the I am. He said, Moses, tell Pharaoh. I, remember that? He said, he said, God, Moses did. He said, who do I tell Pharaoh who sent me? And I love it. He says, you tell him the I am sent you. I love that. Isn't that good? He said, in other words, whatever you need, I am the answer. That's so good. That'll get you through some very hard times in your life. He is the I am. He is the I am. He is walking with you. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, hey, I want you to know something. That great I am, 
the great almighty, the omnipotent one, omniscient, omnipresent God, he's your father. He, he, he's, a, he's your father. He's your heavenly father who loves you. This changed everything in their prayer life and in their perspective to God. Because how you see God will determine how you live for God. Paul the apostle took this a little further, didn't he? When he said we can call God uh, Abba, which is an endearment term, kind of like daddy. He is, he is your father, your Abba. We can call him Abba. We've been adopted into the family of Christ. Paul takes it that far. What are they doing? They are, they are changing our perspective about God, that he is just not this being out there somewhere that we just call on him when we need something. No, he is our heavenly father. So this, is a, this was an introductory prayer. He, he introduced the idea about forgiving others. Forgive others. Ask every day. Again, this is why it's not the Lord's Prayer, because Jesus didn't have to ask for forgiveness every day. What does he say? Forgive me for all my sins and for, as I forgive others who sin against me. Jesus didn't have that problem. It's a model for us. And it's a new ideal, because the Old Testament was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you do me wrong, I'm about to do you wrong. You cut me off, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to go slow, right in front of your lane. All the way till you make you go around me. Then I'm going to speed up so you can't get in there. I don't do that. The Old Testament was all about, hey, man, you'd be wrong to me. I'm going to be wrong for you. And Jesus comes along and says, I've got to introduce something new to you. I want you to pray this every, every day. Forgive me for my sins as I forgive others who sin against me. That's an introductory prayer before we go any further into this parable and talking about the Holy Spirit, which he is so adamant about, isn't he? Seek, ask, seek, not. He starts with this introduction saying, you got to get this right. But then he moves quickly to this short parable. And I begin to look at this parable and he talks about this man. He's got two friends, right? One comes to him. Uh, and he wasn't expecting him to come. And this whole parable, he emphasizes the obvious lesson, which is persistence. Everybody say persistence. You can't talk about prayer without talking about persistence. And this is where it really separates many of us. This is an area where we gotta, you really got to grow in this area of your prayer life, and that is persistence. Persistence and in this story, he talks about being persistent. I mean, it was more than persistent. He was talking about having boldness and urgency to go to a friend at midnight and knock on the door and be bold and keep knocking on that door. There's not too many people I will go to at midnight. There's too many people I won't text even at midnight and ask for anything. How about you? You just won't go running over to anybody. There is someone, but we'll get to him in a minute. But that's Jesus is teaching this whole parable that this man was urgently going and knocking, and he said, I want you to ask, I want you to seek, and I want you to knock. Be persistent. Be persistent. Persistent is the key to getting our prayers answered. You'll see that in all of Jesus' teaching on prayer. He always talks about the persistent widow. He talks about the, the judge and, and being persistent in our prayer. Persistency. Why? Why? Because perseverance is the process that God uses to prepare us for more. I want you to write that down. I want you to remember that. This is key to, to spiritual growth in your life. Is perseverance is the process that God uses to prepare us for more. 
perseverance, being persistent. It's a process that stretches our capacity so we can receive from God. There's something that happens when we are persistent in prayer. It begins to stretch our ability to receive whatever it is that God's wanting to give us. It's not about how big you believe God for, but it's about how long you believe God for. It's not about these big steps of faith. Oh, I'm believing God for this, this, this. Well, you need to be consistent. And little, it's little steps of faithfulness that gives God's attention. It's, it's little steps of faithfulness about being faithful in these little things. What did he say? If you're faithful over these little things, I'll make you ruler over much. If you can demonstrate your faith over being faithful over your finances, over your time, over your devotions, your time with me, if, if you can just demonstrate a consistency in your faith that is persistent, there's a reason for that. It stretches your capacity to be able to handle what I'm wanting to give you. That's why Jesus says, please be, be like this man. Be persistent in your prayers. Ask, seek, knock. Ask is the easy part. Ask is easy, but then you got to seek. Then you got to knock. That, that, that's the part where we get lost. It's easy. We ask. We ask God for some prayers. Sometimes we forget about what we asked him for a month later. We ask. Asking is easy. Asking, oh God, I need a, a better car for better gas mileage. So you ask God for that. How I many know he's not going to answer, but there's also a seeking that has to come with that. You better get up and do your homework, your due diligence, and go looking for a car that has better gas mileage. There's the seeking. There's the knocking when you can't afford it. <laughs> then you say, oh God, if that be your will. It's a process with little things like that to big things. It's, a, it's more than just asking. Jesus said it's more than just asking. It's seeking. It's knocking. There's a, there's a process that you have to do. And I have you do that process. We don't understand why we got to be so persistent in prayer. I believe it's something in the heavenlies and in the spiritual realm that we don't understand why we got to be persistent. We get a peek of it in Daniel. When Daniel prayed and he asked God for something and he waited 21 days and he didn't hear nothing from God and he had an encounter with an angel. Remember that? And the angel appeared to him and said, Daniel, from the very first day that you prayed, God heard you. But I've been detained for 21 days fighting the prince of Persia and a demonic spirit, a, a spiritual warfare was going on and delaying God from giving you your answer. But I'm thankful that you didn't give up. I'm thankful that you kept on praying, kept on believing, kept on asking, kept on seeking, kept on knocking. And that's why I'm here today. Whoo, isn't that good though? But he said, the very first day you asked, I heard it. Even though you got that message, that text message, and it said red, but you ain't hearing no response. You think God ghosted you. He didn't ghost you. He's working on it. He's working on it. Tell somebody he's working on it. You know, that text message won't come through. Sometimes you're not in the area where there's Wi-Fi. I'm just going to go with it. Sometimes you're not at the right place that can handle the answer to that text message. And then you all of a sudden you walk up in a place with Wi-Fi and what happened? Your phone blows up with all these notifications. Why? Because you're at the right place to receive those messages. There's something that happens in our lives when we ask God for something. We get no response because we're not at the right place at the right time and we can't handle the answers yet. Think about that. So God says, I need you to keep on asking. Why, God? Don't, don't worry about why. Just be like this man. 
Just be like this man in this story. And then look at this man for a moment, something I never noticed before, as he talks about the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit in our prayer life so much that Jesus would emphasize, ask, seek, and knock until you get the Holy Spirit in your prayer? Many of you got filled with the Holy Spirit. You began to pray in tongues or pray in the Holy Spirit. What is that? That's your prayer language. That's your heavenly prayer language. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. And why is that key? That, that's another level of prayer. From the Lord's prayer to the Spirit's prayer. Come on, stay with me. This is exactly, but look at the man in this story. And this is why Jesus says you need the Holy Spirit. This man, what did he do? He had a friend come to him when he did not plan on it. He had, he had a man in the story come to him without giving him any warning. Without, without RSVPing. You ever have a graduation party or something and you get some folks show up that didn't RSVP? It's going to happen. Just get ready for it. You can handle a couple of them, but 10, 15, 20 people show up and they didn't RSVP. How many know it's time to panic? This man showed up and this, he didn't RSVP. This guy had no idea that his friend was coming. Now we're going to look at this. And you know, life, and I believe this is what Jesus was saying, life can bring some unplanned situations into our life. You can have an unplanned situation come at your, in our life at any time. It could come in the area of a phone call from your doctor that says, hey, uh, your test results came back and I, ne I need to see you in my office. Oh, well, but I got a vacation planned. Uh, I'm getting married or uh, I got this going on. It's an unplanned situation. You get, you get some bad news from somebody and you didn't plan it. No one ever schedules a car accident. No one ever schedules on your calendar. Look at your calendar. You don't have anywhere in there about a serious something bad or negative. We don't ever plan for it. It just shows up. I call this interruptions. Everybody say interruptions. This man was just minding his own business. He was just probably putting his kids down for sleep, going to bed. The night was over. He's planning a big weekend, and all of a sudden, he gets this dude, his friend, drops in and says, hey, I'm in an area. Sorry I didn't text. I didn't RSVP, but I'm just stopping through the area. And what happened? This man now is like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And he starts to panic. When we get these unplanned situations come into our life, we start to say, oh, my gosh, I can't. What am I going to do? And, and look what, what it did. It ended up causing him to go to his other friend who he knew had the answer. As I begin to look at the scripture and see these interruptions that Jesus did, Jesus himself would do, he would interrupt people's life. He did it all the time. He did it with the, with the woman at the well who was just minding her own business, right? One of my favorite stories. And she's minding her own business and she wanted to go and draw water at 12 noon, highest, hottest point of the day. She went to draw water because she knew the other ladies weren't gonna be there. She's been married five times. Her fifth one is not working out. Her marriage is on the rock. She's been through this four times. She don't want the drama, so she just deleted her Facebook. She's off social media. She ain't handling She's going to the water at noon because she knows ain't nobody going to be there. So she just goes there all by herself, but she's got someone. His name is Jesus that says, hey, boys. I have to go to this well in Samaria, and I got to be there at 12 noon. And the disciples said, I don't understand. In fact, Jesus said, you can't handle what I'm about to do. So won't you go on in the city and get us some five guys and some fries? I want mine with extra cheese, and I'll see you in about a half hour. I got to take care of something that you can't handle because you love playing with the box. You can't handle the gift that is inside that box yet. So he walks up to this woman, and the Bible says the lady is just sitting here minding her own business. Have you ever wanted to be 
quiet and just have your own quiet time. And somebody comes up and sits down and just won't stop talking. You're like, you know that coffee cup that says, don't say anything until this is empty. And so, so you probably putting your earphones in. You're like, please get the message. And they talk louder. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, this woman at the well came at 12 noon. She was like, man, I want my quiet time. Don't even talk to me. Don't ask for me nothing. She goes to the, the water. She starts to get her little, her little bucket. And here's this Jewish man standing there by the water. Look at this. He goes, <clears throat> excuse me, ma'am. He says, ma'am. She's like, she ignores him. I know she ignored him. Act like she didn't hear him. She heard him. She heard him. He says, ma'am. He finally looks over and she says, what? He says, can I have a drink of that? And you read the story and what happens. He ends up saying, if you drink of that water, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you will drink of what I have to give you, the Holy Spirit, you'll never be thirsty for that water again. What am I saying? Maybe his interruptions are actually invitations. This man in the parable would never went to his other friend at midnight and been banging on the door if he first didn't get interrupted himself. Could it be that some, not all the time, but sometimes when we are interrupted in life with some of these bad news and these situations that we didn't see coming, whether it be a car breaking down or a serious illness, may, can it possibly be that it's not just something to ruin us? Maybe God has allowed it to interrupt our life because he's using it as an invitation to seek, to ask, to knock for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Think about it. So I begin to look in the scriptures for this about interruption and invitation, and it's all over the Bible. Moses, minding his own business with the flock of sheep on the backside of the desert, he turns the corner, he looks, and there's a bush on fire. God said, I'm going to interrupt your little routine by setting this bush on fire, by doing something that's going to cause you, it's going to interrupt you, but it's going to invite you if you're hungry and thirsty for it. This Holy Spirit thing, it can be a nuisance and just or another teaching, or it could be something that's right on time for you. It depends on how hungry you are. I love that story about Moses because it don't say God spoke to Moses until he turned to and said, I want to see why this bush is on fire but is not consumed. Whew. And so meanwhile, he, he would have just kept bringing interruptions. He would have just kept bringing another bush on fire. Maybe he would have had a whole hedge line on fire by the time he got to Egypt. And he would have tried everything because he's waiting for Moses to stop and say, wait a minute, this could be an invitation. Think about it. I'll give you one more. John seven thirty seven. There's a feast going on. And the Bible says, I think I have it on the screen, during the great and, and major feast that Jesus stood up and cried out. Someone say interruption. He stood up right in the middle of the church service. They would get a pitcher of water. They would fill it with water. They would come back into the building and they would pour it on the altar, symbolic to when Jesus gave water from a rock. It was that festival that they were remembering how God provided water through a rock. So this was a normal tradition that they do and did. Jesus is standing there and he's watching what's happening. And then all of a sudden, it says he cried out. Notice he said, cried out. He didn't whisper. Some people think Jesus was this little weak dude that just sat in the back. And 
worship whenever he didn't even worship. No, Jesus was none like that. Jesus was, do you all know the Jesus that flipped over tables, Jesus? Do you know that Jesus that flipped over tables, that made a whip? The Jesus that looked at the religious leaders and called them tombs and graves, serpents and hypocrites. That's Jesus. That's the Jesus we serve. There was something about Jesus that caused grown men to forsake their occupation and follow this man. Follow this dude, this guy, this Jesus. He stands up and he cries out with a loud voice, interruption. But look what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, this is why. Because whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again. So I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe this is just me when I was around the campfire up north this week. And I'm thinking about this message, and I never saw this before. Maybe it's just me. But I do think that sometimes these interruptions are actually God's invitations to say, hey, don't panic, don't worry. I need you to press into me a little bit more because you would not be banging on my door at midnight and being so bold and so urgency if I not allowed this friend to show up unannounced in your life. So why is he saying you need the Holy Spirit? Here's why. Here's why. You ready? Because when you have the midnight kind of prayer, the midnight kind of interruptions, you need more than the Lord's prayer. Or as I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die, I pray the Lord my soul to... Oh, that stuff's good when you're in Sunday school and you're starting off. But when you end up battling cancer, when you end up your marriage is on the rocks, when your 14-year-old daughter is now went from vaping little cinnamon stuff to now she's putting that bud and that weed in there and now she's developing a habit. When now your husband used to drink a little bit on weekends, but now he looks forward to it every day when he gets off work and now the paycheck's disappearing. Now he's at the casino wasting all that money. You better have more than, oh Lord, as I lay me down to sleep. Jesus said, I gotta have this happen in your life because you gotta come out into the deep end. You gotta get out here a little bit more. Let me interrupt your religious life a little bit more with this situation, with this situation. I'm not saying that God gives this stuff to us, but I will tell you this it has to pass through his hands. I don't understand it. Ask Job. If it's the devil that gave it to me or if it's the God, they, I don't care and I don't know. It had to pass through both of their hands. But all I know is if I have the Holy Spirit with me, he's the fourth man in the fire. He will walk with me through anything. He will walk with me through the valley. He will walk through me with the cancer halls at the hospital. He will walk with me when I'm all by myself in the back patio crying because my marriage has failed. When I'm all by myself about my sons or daughters and you don't think God's listening to you. He is right there with you. You got to let him stretch you and ask him, God, this is what you asked for. Jesus said it right here. More of the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit. Here's where we get to the power of your prayer. You can stay in Luke 11, verse 1 through 5 all day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can repeat that prayer, and I'm not making fun of it. It's a prayer. But it was never intended to be your intercessory prayer life. Jesus would have ended his prayer teaching right there. He would have said, that's it. Just chew on this for the rest of your life. 
But no, no, he said, let's move a little bit deeper. Anybody want to get in the deep end? He said, hey, if you want to get into the deep end, hey, if you're thirsty, come and I'll give you some of this water. Hey, woman at the well, if you drink from that, if you keep living that little shallow Christian life, you're never going to get what I have for you. Come into the deep end where the Spirit of God is, who was hovering over the face of the deep from Genesis 1. It will be right there with you in Revelations 12 when we are worshiping every tongue, every tribe, and every, every ethnicity that you can see is worshiping. In God, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is there. That's the deep end that I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just thank Him for the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, let's just thank Him for the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, let's just lift our hands to Him right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Those of you that are watching at home, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, that you're not leaving me by myself. I thank you for the Lord's Prayer. I thank you for those introductory and elementary teachings that I've received. They are part of my foundation. That, God, I'm thanking you for the Holy Spirit, that I can pray in an unknown language that bypasses my brain and my doubt and my unbelief and my skepticism and all my issues, and it goes from my spirit to your spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Your life will change. Our life will change. Our prayer life will be different when we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because you need midnight oil for the midnight hour. You need midnight oil for the midnight hour. You need midnight oil for the midnight hour. And that oil is the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you these real quick. Write them down. Why do you need the Holy Spirit in your prayer life like this? This is what he does. The Holy Spirit, number one, he helps us to pray. Hallelujah. Then we're going to pray here in just a moment. We're going to see God do some amazing things. He's teaching on prayer. Remember, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he's teaching about the Holy Spirit. He says, don't stop there at, at our Father who art in heaven, but I need you to be like this man for when those interruptions come into your life. Don't let them just close you in. Let them be an invitation to go deeper with God. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody today. I don't know why that's happened. I can't tell you why this has happened in your life. I don't know the answer to that. All I do know is that God has allowed it for some reason like he did Job. And let it be an invitation to come deeper into him. Let, let it be an invitation not, not to give up, but to come deeper into him and ask more of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, we need him. He helps us how to pray. Scripture says in Romans, likewise, the what? The what? Say it loud. The what? The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For when we don't know what we should pray, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Come on, somebody. I don't understand what that is. I don't understand what that Holy Ghost stuff is. It, it's groaning. I, I don't want you speaking tongues around me because I don't understand what you're saying. Well, excuse me, sir, because I ain't talking to you anyway. I'm talking to the one that's got everything laid out, and my spirit is talking to him. Come on, we got to be bold with this. got to be bold with this. Paul talks about being under the influence of alcohol is comparable to being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It almost sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? But have you ever been under the influence of alcohol? I have. That was my battle and my giant and my demon for years. And they even call alcohol a spirit. You ever notice that? And the more of that spirit you get into your life, the more it will affect how you speak. Isn't that something? Come on, come on. We talking about him, right? Yeah, right, right, right. 
and your wife or somebody and your kids go, what did daddy just say? And you got to have an interpreter. But Paul said there's something similar that happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Think about it. You start speaking in a language that your mind don't understand. Nobody knows what you're saying, but you need an interpreter. Look at it, says, look at Paul. And then Paul said being under the influence can affect the way you walk. I, I could preach a whole message about that. Maybe I will. And, and the problem is, is we got too many Christians that don't experience that kind of power. It's not transforming the way you talk or the way you walk because you're just sipping on the Holy Ghost. You were sipping saint. Got my little, my little Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't be sipping on the Holy Spirit. That's the Lord's Prayer. I love the Lord's Prayer. My Father who art in heaven. Isn't that good? Let me see your grandkids, Bill. Aren't they exciting? Let's put the boat in the water this weekend. I mean, you know, that's, and that's all cool. I love all of that. But when life begins to interrupt us, because it's going to happen. He says, you're going to need a little more than a sip. Be filled. Ephesians 5.18. Come on, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It will affect the way you speak. It will affect the way you walk. Boy, I was going to wait and preach this another week. I'm going to act like you don't hear it in three weeks when I preach it. I think I'm going to get a big sipper, sippy cup. And I'm going to get a big fifth of Jack Daniels. Y'all don't want to miss that service. Paul did it in Ephesians 5. And isn't it something in, in Acts 2 when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? What did they think they were? Isn't that, isn't that something? It's on purpose. It's on purpose. So if you haven't had your speech and your thought life and your walk life, not perfect, but at least influenced, maybe the problem is we ain't full enough. And when you get full enough, you have the Holy Spirit that helps us pray. Next scripture, he says, if I pray in a tongue, my, my mind is not understanding, but my spirit prays to God. This is what happens when we pray in the Holy Spirit language. You don't understand what we're saying. It's a spiritual language. Secondly, I've got to move on. He helps us to pray. Secondly, he helps us to fight. This is why you need the Holy Spirit in your prayer. This is why we're going to pray for you this morning. You need the Holy Spirit to help you fight. Do you know this praying in the Spirit? Do you know that that's actually a spiritual weapon? Do you know that's actually a spiritual weapon? In Ephesians 6, we've been talking about it on Wednesday night, and this Wednesday I'm going with the armor of God, and it's a, we all know it. Therefore, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of wickedness in high places, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. After done all, stand, stand therefore in the power of his might, girded with the truth, of belt, the belt of truth around you, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the shot of your feet with spread in the gospel of peace, Right? And then he says what? The shield of faith. Then he says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Semicolon. Semicolon. He don't stop. Many churches stop right here and just make a little armor of God. And isn't it pretty to have the armor of God with a sword against the devil? Bad devil. And this is about as deep as churches get. But it's a comma. He says there's more to your spiritual artillery. Are you ready? Look what he says. Praying always and with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. 
You ever know not what to pray? You ever know not what, how to, what to even pray? You ever been there? You don't even know what to pray. God says, I got you. Release that. Pray in the Holy Spirit. You need more power for your prayer. You fighting against something that you can't win? You can't fight a spiritual problem with a natural weapon. You can't get mad and cuss out your depression. Let me help you. You can't get mad and cuss out the devil. I'm, I'm, I'm mad at this, this depression and this anxiety. No, that's a spiritual and a soul problem. Medicine will help. I'm all for medicine. But you've got a spiritual thing that you're fighting that you can't see and can't put your finger on, an addiction. You can try to get educated, and I love education and seven steps, and I'm, I'm all down for all of that. But let me tell you how you can really take that giant down, how you can really take that insecurity down. That, that addiction to likes, where you got to be liked and, and loved by people. People pleasing, that's a disease of people pleasing. These are spiritual demons that can't be fought with education or working or how much money you've got in the bank. These are issues you got to be able to take down with the Spirit of God. Our Father who art in heaven. That's a good place to start. There's going to come a time, church, and some of you have already been there, when God says, hey, come into the deep end. Don't worry about how you look. Don't worry about what your neighbors think. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. He's going to help you pray. He's going to help you fight. And lastly, and then I'm going to close. Worship team can come. He'll help us believe. Oh, this is so good. He'll help us believe. You ever have, you ever struggle with doubt? One of the people in that testimony was wanting to get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they, were, they had to fight doubt. They had to cast doubt down. It had come up. It had still come up. You'd be believing God for a miracle, and some of you were believing for a miracle, or that God would do something, and you hear this voice that it's not going to happen. That's doubt and unbelief. Look what the Bible says about praying in the Spirit. Jude 20. But you, beloved. Everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. He says, you, beloved, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. There's interruptions that come every day if you turn on the news. Didn't see that coming. Gas prices, inflation. I mean, I, I can just, I can kill the spirit in this service in 10 seconds. This is why we feel so good right now is because we're, our mind's not on that. Our mind is on the word right now. And you know how, you ever notice how good you feel after you come to church? How hanging out. Some of y'all are going to stay here to 3 o'clock. Your kids will be begging you six times to get out into the parking lot. We love it when we come together in church. And that's why I want you to sign up for a life group. This is how the early church made it through Roman oppression. They met in the synagogue weekly and from house to house daily. You need one another. Tell the person next to you, I need you. You need that. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is here in our gatherings. You need the Holy Spirit to build you up. That, that's what we get. When you feel weak and you feel like you can't make it, that's when you get along with the Holy Spirit and you begin to pray in the heavenly language. I pray all the time in the language. I pray before every message I preach, every wedding. Even I did a wedding, I did it. I did a funeral last Saturday. I go and I speak in front of some of these luncheons that with the FBI and and these big names of people, and I'm standing in the room with these guys, and I'm from E-Course. What? So I, I need help. And I begin to just pray in the Holy Spirit, and He gives me strength. 
He gives me faith and I begin to build myself up. You begin to think that God's not gonna give you that husband, that wife, that breakthrough. And that doubt begins to take. You need to learn to pray in the Holy Spirit. Get along with God and watch him build yourself back up. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. I know prayer is not an exciting message to hear and listen. But it is so important. It's to learn how to pray. And today I just wanted to challenge you a little bit more to come deeper in your prayer life. This Holy Spirit thing and this more thing it wants to be in every part of your life, even in your worship. And the Holy Spirit is a part of our everyday life. Let's make Him a part of our prayer life. Hallelujah. Do you need more of the Holy Spirit? Just right there in your seat at home or in the building. Just lift your hands like this. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for the Lord's prayer that you have given us, Jesus. You taught us to pray, but we also understand that's just a model. But you said there's going to be times when we're like this man in the story, when we have interruptions that's going to come at the midnight hour. And Father, you're, you're saying those interruptions can actually be invitations to go to another friend that has all that we need, and, and that's you, God. And you will give us not bread, but you'll give us the Holy Spirit. And many of us, Lord, we, we're walking through some dark times right now. And we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name. And we just ask that you pour out your spirit right now. Go ahead, ask them. Ask them right now. They're in your seat. Ask them. Say, feel me, God. I need more of your spirit. I need more of your spirit. More of your spirit, Lord. More of your spirit, Lord, in my life. Less of me. Come on, empty ourselves again. Remember that? A couple of weeks ago, Kavar did excellent teaching us how to empty ourselves. That's something we got to constantly do. Empty ourselves so he can fill us with his spirit. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.